Please put hey. a thumb in the air. Hey. How are you doing? Good, I hope? Yeah, I hope you are too. I'm doing great. This is Steve Jaco, the assistant to the director of Fun and Games, filling in for <laughs> Bill Matz on BSH Radio. We're in for a fun one today, talking Tampa Bay Lightning Stanley Cup Championship. Everybody wanted to see it. Everybody's a fan. Everyone's here for it. Kelly Hankel, how's it going? I'm glad you introduced yourself properly because I am, in fact, the assistant director of Fun and Games. Oh, wow. And you're the assistant to the director of Funny Games. Yes. Um, <laughs> anyway, Nikita Kucherov, folks. Am I right? I don't know. That's, you are. I mean, like, you are right. That's all anyone's talking about on the line this morning because it was hilarious. And hockey fans always say they want personality, but then when anyone shows it, they get annoyed by it. And he was, you know, not wearing a shirt, drunk, probably something else. Allegedly, there was a lot of sniffing, allegedly. Um, but yeah, I thought it was really funny. Like, why shouldn't a guy that just won his second Stanley Cup in a row be a little bit of an asshole? Did somebody invite Yuri Laterra to the party? Is that what you're insinuating there? I'm not insinuating anything. That would be wrong <laughs> of me. So, I mean, on, on the Kucherov note, like, I just love that Patrick Maroon has kind of turned into the new Justin Williams. He's like winning the Stanley Cup every year. He's a former flyer. It all checks out. And now he's infecting his teammates with this big rig energy. So Kucherov is just living the American dream, shirt off, drunk, talking about whatever the hell he wants to talk about. It's kind of amazing. The Canadian dream. I I feel like Pat Maroon. (laughs) I mean, I feel like if there's a new Justin Williams, it's like I'm wondering if it's Braden Point. Because, like, Patrick Maroon is just, like, a bit player that doesn't actually matter that much. He just happens to be on cup teams. Like, Justin Williams was the guy who, like, scored the clutch goals and stepped up in the playoffs. But the thing was, was that actually he wasn't just a playoff performer. He was actually a really good player all the time. It's just we noticed him in the playoffs because he happened to score a bunch of Game 7 goals. And I feel like Braden Point is a more... It's a better comparison there because Braden Point goes on these incredible goal streaks in the playoffs, and everybody's like, well, Braden Point's good, but he's really good in the playoffs, when in reality, in my mind, he's a top 10 player in the NHL all the time who just happens to get more focus during the playoffs because he scores when everyone is watching. Also, can we stop pretending that Pat Maroon was a flyer? <laughs> That's true. He wasn't. He wasn't really. He had... Maybe half of a cup of coffee. He, well, he, well, he was, dra- he was, he was drafted here, and then he got yeah, into a fight with his coach, and they got rid of him. People I in mean, the face. Yeah, I mean, it's like, it's just like there's this whole like former floor. Former floor. Like, really? Should we have? Kept I can. Him? I, I. I cannot <laughs> confirm that he hadn't gotten into a physical confrontation with his coach, but he definitely got into a a heated argument with his coach, and there were other things below the surface in terms of his general work ethic and off-ice activities that they were not happy with, and they 
released him. And I really liked Pat Maroon at the time as a prospect. I thought he was like one of the few Flyers prospects at the time that had any potential whatsoever. So I was disappointed when he got let go. And it's cool that he built a career for himself. But like, this wasn't a like, God, the Flyers are so stupid for letting Patrick Maroon go. Like, come on, people. It's just any opportunity that people have to make it about the Flyers being bad at everything. They have I had someone... It. Listen, if there is the smallest connection, people are taking I had someone yeah. in my in my Those mentions, cool. I think a couple days ago, who was complaining that the Flyers' front office was were morons for letting Cooper Marodi go because he's mm. tearing up the AHL at age 24 in the Edmonton Oilers system who have no depth whatsoever, and if he was actually any good, he'd already be an NHL player. But the Flyers are stupid for letting him go because he's got good AHL numbers because he's Jason Atkinson. Should have kept 2021 Boyd Kane. It would have changed so, the So, so dumb. It would have changed it all. For not signing Cooper Murray. <laughs> so dumb. Would, would have changed it all. Would have changed everything. Just should have kept all around. Let's continue these intros. Steph Driver, how you doing? I'm personally done with Tampa now. All right. Uh You've got your back-to-back cups. That's nice. Go away now. Yeah, we're all done. (laughs) Just bye-bye now. That's it. Adios. Don't let the door hit you. Congratulations. Enjoy your boat parade. I'll watch it. It'll be fun. It is fun. I'm jealous of the boat parade. No more. I'm jealous of any parade, but... I do love the boat parade. Yeah. Uh, Love a boat parade. parade Hopefully Tom Brady... I only need to see... Hopefully Tom Brady doesn't show up to throw the Stanley Cup into the ocean. Oh well, wait, we all saw you like know, I, I was I'm laughing really the other sick day of hearing about, that about Tom Brady and hockey. I didn't hear I anything what you said anybody said. I was busy yelling. Well, okay, what I was saying was Tom Brady had that incident where he almost threw the Lombardi trophy to the bottom of the ocean from boat to boat during their boat parade. See, that's someone who just does not respect winning the way that, you know, people who have won nearly every fucking year of their careers cannot respect winning. Fuck Tom Brady. On that, we can all agree. Fuck Tom Brady. And on that note, Charlie O'Connor, how you doing? Doing good. Thank you very much, Steve. Um, So the point I wanted to make here is that for all the talk we got over, you know, starting with the bubble last year and then this entire season, for all the talk that we got about how weird these COVID seasons were going to be and how they weren't going to be real because of how strange they were and there weren't fans and all this other stuff— the best team on paper won the championship both years. I Maybe you could make the case the Avs were better this season than the, than the Lightning, but throw Kucherov back in and the Lightning were probably a better team on paper. So does that show that really, for the most part, hockey is hockey? You know, the better teams tend to come out on top regardless of strange circumstances? Or does it just say the Lightning were so head and shoulders better than everyone both years that, like, the, the added variance of, you know, a global pandemic happening at the same time as the both playoff runs, like, it just didn't matter because they were just that good. Poor K. Novos dos <laughs> I feel like it's both of those things. <laughs> well, it is both of those things because, like, Montreal really benefited from kind of the crapshoot that is the NHL playoffs. Oh, for sure. Montreal had no business being in the Stanley Cup Finals, but Tampa Bay was the best team. See, didn't they, though? Because Montreal did kind of get lucky the way the Flyers did in 2010. Like, other teams took out the other good teams, and then they just had to beat the one good team who seemed to be, like, all playing on broken limbs. So, Well, I would argue that the Flyers definitely benefited from the crapshoot of the NHL playoffs in 2010. 
Well, that, fair enough. They definitely did. Well, it just it kind of comes down to something I said on a podcast a couple weeks ago. I think this was when Bill was convinced that the, the final was going to be Montreal Islanders. And I was like, look, yeah, teams that aren't the best can go far in the playoffs. That's one of the fun things about the NHL playoffs. But in the end, the team that actually wins it tends to be one of the five best teams on paper. And lo and behold, look what happened this year. Yes, Montreal got far, and that was fun, and it was a cool run, and that's great. But generally speaking, those teams, even if they go really far, don't actually go over the finish line. It's the elite teams that do, which is why the goal of your team building as a general manager should be to become one of those five teams. Because if you're in that, like, 8 to 14 range, yeah, you can go on a magical run, but you're in the end not going to win. It's going to be one of those great teams. And you may not be it may not be the best team. It may be the third best team or the fourth best team on paper. But like you got to be in that tier otherwise you're almost certainly not going to win at all. Mhm. Well, you know, Tampa Bay did win. They were the best and to go back to Kucherov a bit, <laughs> Vasilevsky got the MVP. And I thought it was hilarious that Kucherov, while he's crushing beers like Matthew McConaughey in True Detective, decided to just go on a rant about Vasilevsky not winning the Vesna <laughs> literally every year. And, like, I think Vasilevsky's great, right? But, like, I don't know. I thought that was, like, a really weird rant to go on. Like, no respect. It, well, he's getting respect. He's getting the MVP, man. Well, I mean, that's just, to me, that I, was just a rant of, like, he was drunk. He was mad that Vasilevsky didn't win the Vesna. And, like, he just decided to rant. Like, that's, like, when, like, your buddy, like, I don't know, doesn't get the job that he's trying to get. And you're just, like, you're, you're five beers in. And, like, and every person that applied for that job <laughs> absolutely sucked. They were all bad. You were the best. Like, I don't know. That, would, to me, was all that rant was. I also thought there was a little bit of maybe, like, he knew that he was, like, the second guy that could have gotten MVP and he just wanted to make sure everybody knew that he wasn't bitter about it. He was just happy for his buddy. Oh, so it's sweet. Isn't that it, That's fair. I really liked that he called Mark andre Fleury that guy and the other guys or whatever like, he said. Like Mark andre Fleury never won a cup or anything. You know, that guy from Vegas. <laughs> you know, one thing that is going to be funny. You're that fucking One thing that's bum. really going to be funny. Um, and actually, I was thinking about this last night during the game, and this is going to be this is going to be the second straight season where the two teams that got to the final are going to be in the same division the following year. So we're going to get a lot of rematches. You know, obviously this year we had um, you know Tampa and Dallas were in the same division, and the next season you're going to have Montreal and uh, and Tampa because they're naturally in the same division. But like. Kucherov is going to get booed so bad in every Montreal game for those comments he made about game four. Like, he's going to get eviscerated by those fans, and I'm going to love it. Like, and I'm not, like, it was a dumb comment, but again, whatever. You're just like, you're on top of the world. Say whatever you want, buddy. Like, as long as you're not, like, you know, throwing slurs out there, say whatever you want. And the, and sure. the best thing is that, like, now Montreal fans will hate him forever, and I love it. Mm-hmm. Uh -huh. Oh, yeah, the, that is a rivalry that is completely, like, it is going to happen now, and I'm here for it, and I love it. And I love that Kucherov just took the time also to call out the Montreal fans, like, they're acting like they won the Stanley <laughs> Cup when they won one game. Well, dude, it's like the first time they won a Stanley Cup game since 93. Yeah. It, it was just, a little harsh. It was harsh, great but I love rants. it. Just great. Like, it was harsh and totally oh, yeah. unfair, but I still love it. 
Oh, yeah, for sure. Like, hockey needs I thought it was totally fair. Like, good. Do it. Lean in. Tell them how dramatic and shitty <laughs> they are. <laughs> like, I did appreciate well said, Fuck you, Montreal, and flipped I, everybody I mean, he bird. basically did. He kind of did. He kind of did. I really appreciate stuff that you isolated the number one bullshit clip because that was the best part of it. Him calling. No, I just did. Are you kidding me? Oh, you did. That's right. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I really enjoyed number one bullshit. I'm going to use that a lot, I think, in my life. You should. Number so one things bullshit. are number one bullshit. <laughs> so many things are number one bullshit. It's just a big bullshit pie at the end of the day. And now, speaking of bullshit pie, we're in the off season and we have to talk about the Flyers again, I suppose. Poop. Can I ask something about the playoffs, though, real quick before we no. move along? That's perfectly oh, fine with right. me. I mean, Steph said no. She's no, I, I'm, I'm hosting. <laughs> I have to host That's Gavel. True. And I am giving Kelly approval. So, like, at the start of the playoffs, I kind of jokingly tweeted that the only thing that matters is goaltending. And kind of, like, isn't that exactly how it went for this entire playoffs? Like, the only thing that mattered was goaltending. Like, Vegas ended up losing because Marc-Andre Fleury started to look human in that Montreal series. And Montreal largely won as much as they did because Carey Price was standing on his head. And Vasilevsky, obviously... Like, the Lightning probably would have won anyway, but he was obviously a large part of what they did. And I just wonder, like, you know, is it just whoever gets the hottest goaltender wins? Well, with Tampa Bay, I feel like it was just having a good goaltender, having a good defense, like, just having the most complete team. I feel like they're an aberration because they're so, fr- like, they're so far above the other teams, especially when they're $18 million over the cap. Over the cap, oh. and they don't have to have any of their players pay state tax. Oh, God. Yeah, could income we, tax. Could we absolutely not? Because that's not a thing. That's absolutely not a thing. Like, think for a second. So many states don't have state income tax. Think for a second. Let's start here. Think for a second about But I want to call them stupid. cheaters. Let me call them cheaters. Think about how stupid NHL hockey players are. They're Do very stupid. Do you really stupid. think that some bro from a farm in Ontario is sitting there going, you know what? The marginal tax rate in Florida is a lot lower than the marginal tax rate in New York State. Uh, Perhaps uh, I will sign a Florida. Like, come on. Well, these bros have smart people handling their contracts, though. I know, but at the end of the day, the player decides who they're going to sign with when they're a free agent. Like, their agent is going to say, you have to sign with Florida because they don't have... Like, it's just so fucking stupid. Like, no one would ever sign with the Rangers if tax was a problem. No one would ever sign with the Kings if tax was an issue. No one would sign with the Leafs because Canada yeah, has exactly. a functional society I mean, exactly. and they pay a lot of taxes. So it's just not a thing. And it's just like, it's this weird, like, I'm smarter than you. Also, I'm probably a libertarian. Taxes are theft. That's why all the good hockey players go to Florida. Like, that's what it is. And I'm so and all, tired of hearing it. Just don't call me a libertarian. Okay. That's <laughs> and and, and also, answer. here's another thing. Like, if... If you're saying that, like, I, I guess here's my my roundabout sort of point. If you're saying that the reason why they're going to Tampa is because of money, like, I don't know, aren't the really good teams, the players that are on really good teams, like, they don't care about money. They care about winning. They care about these nebulous ideas of, like, teammates That's and camaraderie right. and stuff. If it's all about greed and making the most money, then, well... Yeah, though the players take discounts and to stay not. with the winning teams. It's and really not. Exactly. No. 
Well, just let me call them cheaters. That's all I want. Anyway, they cheat all the time. They're just the biggest cheaters. Goes to the top. It's obvious. (laughs) Whatever. Uh, So wait, are we talking about if it all comes down to goaltending at the end of the day? Is that what we're what why we're talking about the Tampa Bay Lightning again? Yeah, sorry. I just I I derailed the show. I do that a lot. Sorry. That's usually Um, my job. The Flyers. Yay. (laughs) I mean, we could have. No, I think I think there is a point to be made that. You know, you had two really, really strong goaltenders battling it out in the final. Um, and you still needed someone to score the goals. You and do Montreal need a goal didn't or two. Have that. You do like, need a goal or two. It, it, so, yes, a lot of it comes down to goalies, but you still need someone to score the goals or at least shoot on the goalie and hope that they miss. Yeah, Tampa pretty much um, shut Montreal down completely. So yeah, and Montreal just didn't have anyone to score the goals. Mm-hmm. They and Tampa did. Yeah, I mean the they big, need those people to score the goals. Yeah, I mean the big thing with Vasilevsky that I think won him the consmite. I, I I actually I think I would have voted Kucherov, but it's fine. Like Vasilevsky was super worthy as well. Um, I think the big thing that helped him was just like people love those narratives and the narrative he had that he had a shutout in every single clinching game of this playoff run. Like, it's just, you're not going to beat that. And I would argue that, I mean, I watched all of those games. I would argue that Vasilevsky was good in those games. The Tampa defense was better in those games. Like, they pretty much gave those, I mean, it was, I was at one of them. I live blogged two of them. Like, Tampa's defense gave the other team nothing. Like, Vasilevsky had to make, like, what, like, f- like four tough saves in each of those games, and the rest of it was just, you know, 20 shots, and most of them were from the outside. So, like, that's more more or less why I lean towards Kucherov, but I get that, like, it's super shiny to be, like, shut out in each clinching game, let's give the goalie the con smite. Like, I get it. And Vasilevsky was awesome. He had a great playoff run, so it's like, whatever. It's, you know, 1A and 1B, but... I personally would have went Kucherov because I think he was incredible and, you know, the scoring numbers he put up were absolutely batshit. Um, but Vasilevsky's fine. Uh, Kucherov was the difference between regular season Tampa Bay and yeah, playoff Tampa Bay. You know, like, they just kicked it into overdrive with him back because he is an incredible player. He's an MVP-level talent. He's pretty freaking good. Pretty, pretty, pretty good. Not pretty good. The Philadelphia Flyers. We don't know what the Flyers are going to be next year, but going into the offseason, it's officially the offseason. I've been calling it offseason for weeks now, but this is this is the real offseason. You know, Charlie, Charlie, I'm saying I'm putting this just on Charlie. It's obviously not just Charlie. A lot of people are saying this is the most important summer that people can remember as a Flyers fan because they really want the team to take the next step. The young guys, everything. There's so many potential moves to be made are we overblowing it or is this actually like the most important summer in recent flyers history i wrote that sentence because personally for me it feels like like i i mean there's been a lot of off seasons where the flyers have obviously needed to get better there have been a lot of off seasons where they made big splashy moves especially during the homegrown era um but I can't remember, and this might just be the whole recency thing that we do, but I really can't remember feeling like the next maybe decade of this franchise hinges on what happens this summer. 
And I don't know if I'm being dramatic about it or if it's actually that big of a deal. Like if Chuck blows it this summer, how fucked are we? Because in my head, it feels like really, really, really Yeah. Fucked. I mean, well, I wrote the column, so I obviously believe it. It's a really big summer. It's that as well. <laughs> I kind of wrote it in print. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, <laughs> the, the thing in my mind that really adds to why this summer is so important is the status as a Couturier and Giroux. Because you add that in, you add in the fact that, like, look, I think both of those guys right now, you know, if you ask them, are you going to resign with Philadelphia? They say absolutely. I think they want to. I think Giroux wants to finish his career in Philly. I think Couturier's happy here. You know, he likes his teammates. He likes, you know, he likes, you know, the, the organization. He thinks they're going in a good direction. That said, they haven't signed yet. Now, granted, they can't until uh, until the first day of free agency, but they haven't signed yet. So until they're signed, you don't know if they're going to be on the team past next season. And if the Flyers stink again, like actively stink again, if I'm either one of those guys, I'm thinking to myself, why? Like, if I'm Drew, I'm thinking, well, shit, if I want to win a cup and these guys have had two straight dumpster fire seasons, then... I might need to get the hell out of here. And if I'm Couturier and I'm about to cash in, it's like, you know, well, maybe before, you know, maybe I give them a little discount. I want to, you know, want to keep, you know, keep the team together. We're, we're building something here. Suddenly it's like, well, shit, I mean, I'll just hit free agency and I'll see if somebody offers me nine mil a year. Like, you know, those are the, these, this is why like this season is big because those are your two best players. I mean, Drew and Couturier are your two best players and they both are free agents at the end of next season. So, if you don't get this offseason right and your team is bad again, then you really might have to start over because I, I don't know what this team is if your two best players are suddenly like who? Ivan Provorov right. and Carter Hart if he bounces back? Travis Konechny? Yikes. Joel Farabee if he takes another step forward? Like I don't know how good a team is with those guys as your best players. And that's what you're looking at you're looking at if next year goes bad you're looking at possibly having to blow it up so like if you don't want to you better nail this one and nailing and the thing is like nailing this one if and kurt made this point in a column at the end of last offseason i kind of reiterated this time like if you go into this offseason and you finish this offseason and you don't do a lot like i'm not going to go so far as to say that's fine it's just like that's a decision that's a risk. That's yeah. just as much of a risk as as doing a bunch of stuff because you're then your bet is that this team will bounce back. This team is good. The COVID year was a fluke. And you know what? Maybe it was. Maybe it was. And maybe if the Flyers do nothing more than bring back their guys and sign a better backup goalie and a couple depth forwards and call it a day, maybe next year they're really good. Maybe. But they also might not be. They also might just be meh again, even if they get a little bit better. And then where are you? Then you're still stuck with the same Giroux Couturier problem. Like, like inactivity is just as much of a risk as activity. Activity obviously means you could fuck up the activity. But if you're inactive and you're wrong, then this ain't getting better either. Mm -hmm. And fixing it could take a lot of different forms too. Like that's important to remember. It's not like there's one specific move that Chuck has to make. And if he doesn't make that specific sure. move for that specific player, we're fucked sure. but there's a lot of ways that it could be improved but like it has to be like big time like you said because otherwise i don't know what we're doing here 
People are going to be furious if there is an activity. If there is I mean, they're going to be done, furious anyway. Well, they're going to be especially furious I've if there's an activity. I've already accepted that. Whatever yeah. player they sign, whatever well, trade they make, whatever happens, they're going to be pissed about it until something is shown on the ice yeah. that it's yeah, good. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I, I mean, I think there's levels of it. I think there's certain guys that if the, the club were to bring in, they'd be very happy about. But it, if they do nothing, people, I, I don't know. It, it just feels like it's been boiling over even worse this past year. And then if there's inactivity, if there's nothing done... I don't. Yeah. I, I mean, like last summer, I do feel like doing nothing was a valid choice. I really do because the team showed sure. for large stretches of the regular season that they were actually good. This season, even if you just put aside the fact that the goaltending was horrendous, like I don't think that you can look at the way that the team performed this season and say that running it back is a good idea. Like they simply have to do something. Whatever the something is, something has to be done. And hopefully the something is, like, really, really good. But it has to be something. Robert Haig for captain. Obvious move. Yeah. He's going in the expansion draft. Yeah. And, and I mean, the point, oh. the point that I, I made in the column and I'll make again here is, like, doing stuff could go really bad. It could. I mean, you could make a bunch of moves. Chuck could make a bunch of moves. And they could be really dumb signings or really bad trades that really screw this up for the long term. And that's another reason why I consider this to be such a pivotal offseason. Because when you when you throw in the possibility of major moves, those major moves, that increases the variance of outcomes. Because you could really okay. screw that up. But the thing is, is that, you know, they also could... Be, turn out really good you know you could make enough moves and make the right moves and suddenly you're a cup contender that's a possible outcome and then as i said if you do nothing like doing nothing does not is not like the safe move anymore i think that's the key point i'm trying to make like doing nothing last offseason felt kind of like the safe move like let's figure out what we have in this team they took a step forward let's believe in the in this team and see what they can do well they didn't show a lot now granted there were you know exigent circumstances that's fair they still didn't show a lot. So now doing nothing is no longer the safe move. Doing nothing is just as much of a risk as doing stuff. So might as well do stuff. Well said. Yeah, it might as well, right? Who's it going to hurt? I mean, probably us, but. <laughs> it's always <laughs> it's us. Definitely us. In the end, it's always but us who suffer. The opposite would also <laughs> hurt us. So, you know, we just signed up for pain when we decided to be fans of the Philadelphia Flyers. Mistakes were made. <laughs> mistakes were made <laughs> indeed yep. i have never not been hurt by the philadelphia flyers <laughs> thanks a lot eric lindros why did you do this to me leave lindros out of this leave lindros alone Ugh. so obviously inaction is a huge risk this year and i don't think they're not gonna do anything but we'll see uh one of the biggest names that the Flyers have been buzzing around this offseason. It's been Seth Jones. We're probably sick of hearing about Seth Jones after the past month or so of Seth Jones rumors. But guess what? It's the biggest rumor out there. So we're going to continue to talk about it. Charlie's website, we all know it. Theathletic.com had an article about Seth Jones trade packages. It involved a potential trade package of Phil Myers, Zade Wisdom, Morgan Frost, and a first round pick in 2022. And Aaron Portsline called this package underwhelming. Thoughts? I saw that package and I was like, oh, that seems like a lot. See, I saw that. I, <laughs> Is that your reaction to that package? I saw I saw it and I was like, yeah, that seems a little bit low. Um, I guess because 
I don't I don't think there was any indication in the article that this comes with a guaranteed sign. Like I'm treating Seth Jones as a rental until I know otherwise. And it kind of seems like right now, like that's where the talks have headed, that he's not willing to sign a long term agreement with whomever trades for him. So if that's the case, like he should be getting a rental price, which is not that much, in my opinion. Yeah, well, I mean, Elliot Friedman said in his podcast today, basically, that right now the, the Flyers aren't sure whether Jones would commit to them long term. So it's not that the ask from Columbus is like enormous, but they might not be willing to trade for Seth Jones if Jones isn't willing mm-hmm. to to commit long term right off the bat. Um, you know, it's it's tough because I'm sure that Columbus would want more. Um, obviously, because Seth Jones is, you know, one of their cornerstone players. This package, you know, I've always assumed that if the Flyers, I guess I've always assumed that if the Flyers traded for Seth Jones, they'd probably be giving up Myers, because I don't think they want to give up um, Sanheim. Proveroff doesn't make any sense. I assumed that Columbus would ask for Konechny, but I I don't think the Flyers, I mean, maybe they would if they really got, got down to it, they would they would include Konechny, but, like, Myers just strikes me, he makes the most sense because, like, you're basically just slotting in Jones for Myers on the, the team, and then you could just, the rest of the package could be Futures, and, like, this is, you know, kind of what Futures might look like. You know, obviously it would hurt to lose Zade Wisdom because he just looks like such, like, a, a classic Future Flyer. You know, Morgan Frost is Morgan Frost, and, you know, the first-round pick, whatever, like, you know, at this point we're at the, we're, you know, Let's let's get some players here. Picks are great, but but let's get some actual players. So it, it's an interesting situation. Like I, I think the Flyers would like to add Seth Jones. It's an interesting wrinkle if Jones isn't willing to sign long term with the Flyers, at least right off the bat, because then you know if you have to trade Myers in that deal, are you just trading him for a rental? And that's the concern. You know, Myers obviously has question marks after this past season about his upside, but I do think he'll. He'll eventually, you know, and by eventually, I don't mean like in four years. I mean like in the next one or two. He'll st- develop into a solid second pair defenseman at the very least. Um, just because I, I think that's just what he is. I think he just had a, a mess of a year. Um, but if you're giving that up, you know, a guy his age with, you know, at least six, seven more years of good play for a guy who helps you one season in a year where he doesn't necessarily make you a cup contender by himself – it's a risk, and I mean, maybe Chuck's willing to take it in the end, but maybe he's not. I don't know. Yeah, Jones at this point is the the biggest name that's been tied to the Flyers to fill that defensive hole that they've been looking at, and I, you know, the, we hadn't really heard anything for a week until this Friedman uh, note came out about the Flyers not really being interested in a trade without signing for him, and. You know, unfortunately, the Flyers also have been kind of downplayed on Dougie Hamilton, so I'm not really sure what the options are after that to fill that top right side defenseman hole. I think there are others. And I mean, like if I'm Seth Jones and I know that I've had a down couple of years and I'm going to be a UFA in a year, like why wouldn't I try to get to a better team, like play my ass off there? and then see what kind of giant paycheck I can get in free agency. So I, like, get it. Oh, but... if I was Seth Jones and I've been stuck on the Columbus Blue Jackets for this yeah, like I of time, could, yeah. I, could, <laughs> I could see him thinking that he's going to use this year as, like, a prove-it to, to get a bunch of money, which is fine. Players should always go for a bunch of money. But 
that means the Flyers have to treat it as a rental. Like, until he signs a contract with you, he's a rental. And so you have to approach it as such. And the Flyers are not, as Charlie said, they are not in a position to get a rental. They are not one piece away for being a cup contender. Like, we need a guy that's going to be around for a little while. Which is why I hope Chuck is calling David Poyle every single day just to ask how he's doing. <laughs> Sam, what's up? Yeah, Dave, buddy, how you doing? I, I do think there's one aspect of this, and this is why, I mean, look, if the Flyers end this offseason and, you know, they their defenseman ad is Adam Larson or David Savar. Ugh. I mean, like, and I'm, I, I like both those guys, but, like, that can't be the only one. My point is, is if that's their ad and they just call it a day, I will be very critical of that. I will say that's not nearly enough. That said, the one point that I'd like to make is that, and I, as I've said, I think I said this on the show a couple weeks ago, there's a lot more players available than people think. I mean, we, we literally just saw it last night with the report that came out that Vladimir Tarasenko, who I don't think many people viewed as an option, once out of St. Louis. Like, there's a lot bubbling under the surface right now of guys who you don't think are available that are available. So all I'm going to say is that, like, you know, if it's not Seth Jones, if Seth Jones isn't the guy, there might be other guys that Chuck couldn't pivot to that are still very good and still have, have reputation. Now, again, if he doesn't get any of them, criticize the hell out of him. But, like, I don't think this offseason is the case of if you don't get this one guy, it's a failure yes. because I think there are a lot of one guys out there that maybe we don't even know are out there. Yeah, and I think that that's a really important point, and it's something that we're seeing in our SB Nation league-wide mock draft, um, is that a lot of players and a lot of picks are available. A lot of teams are selling, and it's, I guess, a a mark of the flat cap, but I I think that it's going to surprise a lot of people because there's a lot more up for grabs than I think people anticipate. Yeah. I think it's gonna. I, I think it's gonna be a wild July. I really do, and not just for the Flyers. I think. I, think I around sure the hope league, so. There's Me gonna too. be a lot of shit. I mean, I, I, I'm, I am expecting, and I could be totally off, but like you know how like you know the last couple months like things are opening back up and everybody's like I gotta go out every weekend and do all the stuff to make up for this past year. <laughs> I think that's gonna be NHL GMs this month. I think it's gonna be like, yo, you know what? I've been stuck in this stagnant cap bullshit for too long with all these pen up like I need to make moves and I'm gonna make fucking moves. I think it's gonna be a big month. Yeah. Everybody take your dick out this summer. Let's go. <laughs> Just the the whip your dick out draft. I'm excited for it. Is that the title of the podcast? Because no, <laughs> no, because then it, it'll get it'll no. It's get whip your draft by out. the podcast. Oh, whip your, there it'll, you go. It'll get Steve, banned once again. Steve comes through. Whip your headline. draft out, baby. Whip Let's do your it. Draft out. <laughs> Let's fucking go. Thirty-two NHL GMs in one room together. We'll see what happens. <laughs> Mark Bergevin kicks everyone's ass. And then he's See what happens when people stop being polite and start getting real. (laughs) Give me those trades. Real world NHL GMs. Give me those trades. Lay them on me. I'm here for it. I'm excited. (laughs) I can't wait. Oh, God. Amazing. We'll see what happens with the trades out there, but UFAs are really starting to come into focus right now, too. And guess what? Another Charlie article. Oh, wow. 
it you <laughs> laying out uh, 26 free agents here and there's some obvious guys that the flyers probably don't have a shot at i'm looking at you alexander ovechkin although that would be had amazing. to throw him in there but but like no yeah, he's not he's not leaving washington we all know it it I would love to see an Alex Ovechkin like heel turn like Yager where he plays for like all the division rivals for a year. Yes. <laughs> and if there's one guy who would do it, there's it's one him. guy at the Ovi and it would be amazing. You get an Ovechkin and you get an Ovechkin. You start having the traveling Ovechkins going out there like the Yagers. I'm here I for think it. the thing never the, the thing happen. that will always kill me about Ovechkin. Always kill me is like I mean, you know, we like, we talk about guys who were born to be Flyers. Like, I think he's a low-key born to be a Flyer guy. Like, scores bit. all the goals, hits people, like, talks shit, and, like, he's just, like, like I don't know. He's, it never was going to happen. Like, there was never a realistic chance unless, like, the Flyers happened to be awful that year. But, like, there's a reason why every time people scream at me, get a sniper, I tell them, you don't want a sniper, you want Alex Ovechkin. Because yep. correct, Alex Ovechkin would have been fucking idolized in this city. Oh, he'd be a legend, an absolute legend. Like we did um, a fly perbly under quarantine a fuck last year, where we talked about flyerish. <laughs> so good, not flyerish non flyers. I can't believe I just stumbled into calling my podcast fuck last year. That was amazing, but <laughs> I <laughs> small small victories. We did the whole flyerish non-flyers episode, and o- Ovechkin a hundred percent would fit into that criteria. He would have been a legend here. I would have, lo- I would have like four different Ovechkin jerseys. Yeah, I mean, without a doubt, that's that's who people want. That's who Bill Matz wants when he says we need a sniper. Like that's that's what Philadelphia needs. But he comes around once in. Like 30 years. If not longer, because, I mean, right. he's had a historic goal-scoring career. He's one of the best goal scorers of all time. Possibly the best. He, yeah, I mean, you can, e- like you can goal easily make a case that he is the best goal scorer of all time, especially accounting for year. I mean, and he still might pass Gretzky. It's not like if he has a Yager-esque career, he will pass Gretzky. And even if he doesn't, yep. if he just plays into his early 40s, he might pass Gretzky. All he needs to do is be wheeled out on that power play into his spot, <laughs> and he's just going to put goals away until he decides that he's done when he's like Gordy Howe's Well, see, this is, this is why the NHL needs to implement my personal suggestion, which is expand the lineups so that you can actually have power play specialists who only yes. play on the power play or only play on the penalty kill. Just let teams dress more players, and they can be That's like— That's a football thing, right? I would love D- it. Does football do that? Uh, I mean, they just, well, they just have real, they just have really, really big lineups. So yeah, I mean, you have like kickers. Sure. Like, yeah. Like guys that only come out. Special teams. Special teams. I mean, that's what we're talking about. Like Mike Reese used to be that for the Eagles where he would pretty much, he'd be backup linebacker, but he'd also come out mostly on special teams and just try and knock out whoever caught the ball in the kickoff. I did a football. Yeah. Just let Ovi, you know, he only, Ovi only has to play like seven minutes a night. You know, you, yep. you bring him out there as an extremely specialized role at age 44 where he's always on the power play. He's always out there when it's like six on five at the end of games. And then you sprinkle some shifts in there here and there for or maybe some offensive zone starts when the other team happens to, you know, have their fourth line caught with an icing. And, you know, you just have him. He's your specialist. That would be cool. It would just I, I, I like any additions to the game that force coaches to make decisions. 
and not yes. just like roll shit and just do the boring They're stuff. So like, bad at them, but though. that's why it's fun because I like to see that <laughs> variance and then coaches screw up and then we have stuff to talk about. We get to see who's actually smart and who's dumb. Yeah, I would love to have, you know, actually figure out who's smart and who's dumb amongst the NHL coaches. <laughs> that's the age-old question. That kind of reminds me of the designated hitter, to be honest. Wouldn't hate it. Maybe we should and the, the I mean, the NHLPA would... Too. Let's open that The debate. NHLPA would like it because, hey, more players more mean players. more money. I mean, yeah, you know, just saying. One, I would love a chance for some of these older offensive dynamos to really extend their careers. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You know? You have got a game that you're constantly looking for offense. You're constantly looking for more guys to, you know, extend their careers like that. And Yager could play until he was 75 if he could just do that <laughs> role. Truly. But now, we spent, you know, we, we, we spent too much time talking about a guy who's never going to wear flyers, arms, yeah. and black. Yeah, so we, we have spent... Let's talk about guys like... you. Talk, you Singled out a couple guys here. Like, Dougie Hamilton, unfortunately, right now, doesn't look like he nah. is going to come to the Flyers, even though that's, it's a perfect fit, or nearly a perfect fit. I, not and, for I mean, him. If they, <laughs> not know, for him, but for if, us. If they, <laughs> if they turn away from Seth Jones, maybe. Like, it's possible. I don't think... That, I, I don't know, Charlie. I agree with your assessment that he would not like playing here. I agree that he would not like playing here, but the Flyers might just throw a lot of money at him. Well, maybe. That could work. That could work. So, Dougie, let's... taxes here, though. Let's, let's X Dougie out on the list for now. Okay. And we'll X Landeskog out, even though Gabriel Landeskog is a that fantastic would player. That would, that would absolutely Oh, God. That would be so amazing. And we'll... That gives me pants feelings. <laughs> <laughs> pants feelings. All step, right. step, is it, is it, pants is it hockey pants feelings or attractiveness pants feelings? Yes. Glad I set you up for that. <laughs> Bill goes yes. away for one week and we're talking about pants feelings. It's outstanding. Pants feel Gabriel Landeskog wearing orange and black. Tell me that none of you are also feeling pants feelings and I will point out who is a liar among amongst <laughs> us. So Steph, regardless regardless of the, the criteria for the list, you're going to get Landeskog regardless for you you uh, un, uh ah, free agent target? I couldn't say UFA. Hell among us. I mean, yes, go get Landeskog if you can. Yeah, I mean it's it's hard to imagine that Colorado lets their captain leave. Mm-hmm. Like I would assume they'll move heaven and they'll move <laughs> heaven and earth to, you know, clear enough cap space to keep him. Like it just the the amount of things that would have to go wrong for them this offseason to lose Gabriel Landeskog. Like it's just mind boggling. But I mean he's not signed yet. So hey, if as long as he's out there, exactly. he would be an awesome fit on the Flyers. So I'm keeping him on the list. But like, yeah, he's he, he's not leaving Colorado. Charlie, those were the only three that I thought were definitely no yeah. way gonna happen are there any others on the list that like are you know technically could but like probably no no way. i don't think so i think all the rest of them seem like they could like there's no reason yeah, why they could. i think all the rest of them are possible um mm-hmm. and even as i said i wouldn't even completely knock dougie out but i think dougie would be everyone's number one so that's kind of like pointless to you know it's pointless mm-hmm. to even ask this question if you're if you're including dougie because it's dougie right but who else from this list do we think the Flyers should target? Who would make your pants happy? <laughs> who would people enjoy singing the orange and black on this list? Who's going to give you some pants feelings? Pants feelings. 
sense. My pick yeah. was Barclay Goodrow. Just because, you know, Tampa's so good. And he's been on a team that, like, had a competent coach that knows how to win. Like, perhaps some of that could rub off on the Flyers in the locker room. And plus, he's not not a bad bottom six pick. I did love that play he had in Game 7 of the Islanders series at the end when he, like, took on four guys in the corner behind the empty net and basically burned, like, 30 seconds single-handedly. Like, that was so reminiscent of the Drew play, um, you know, back mm, in that Boston yeah. series in, 20, in 2010. Um, but it was just such a, like, all-heart kind of play by him that sticks out to me in my head as, you know— and I'm sure, I mean, like, I'm not a, like— traditionalist hockey man and that sticks out in my head imagine what gms were thinking seeing that play they were losing their shit <laughs> no yeah, I looking, at this list, looking at this list uh two names pop out to me philip Deneau, who's really good um and Jaden schwartz who used to be really good and then he had some injury issues but he's probably worth looking at i've always really liked Jaden schwartz as a player now he's always been an advanced stat like god but also he's just a fun player like he's one of those like kind of reckless with how high energy he plays and that that plays into i think why he gets hurt as much as he does but he's a fun player i think for him it's just a matter of you know whether he's still the same guy that he was before or yeah. if his body started to break down. But I mean, if he's still the same guy, he would be awesome. He's, he's kind of a luxury pick because like he's more of a, like he's almost like Joel Farabee on steroids, which is cool. But like they already, ha- they, they <laughs> like already have Joel, they already have Joel Farabee. So it's like, do you need another? Well, it'd be cool to have another. Um, uh, I, I like the, I really like the Dino idea though. I mean, I don't think it's going to happen just because and I point this out in my article where it's like, I think if he were to fall into the Flyers price range, which is probably in like the four to five mil range, like I think the Flyers would do that. But I think Montreal would also do that. And it's like, yeah. well, then why would he not just re-sign with Montreal? Like if somebody comes in and offers to know six mil or five and a half mil, like I think he would take it. I just don't think the Flyers can. Because they're going to have to pay Couturier. They're already paying Hayes 7 mil. Like, that's a lot to have locked up in your centers, when they're, especially when none of them are, like, superstars. Like, if, you, yeah, if you're paying Connor McDavid 12 mil, like, sure, you're going to have a lot of money locked up in your centers, but that's fine because you got fucking Connor McDavid and then you got Leon Dreisaitl. But, like, Couturier, Hayes, Deneau would be a freaking great top three, but none of those guys are superstars. I'd love it. Like, I think Deneau would be an amazing fit, especially for what I think the Flyers are going to be trying to do next season, which is I think they're going to be definitely focusing more on the defensive side of the game. And Deneau is one of the best defensive Mm -hmm. centers in hockey. So it would be an awesome fit. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure that Fletcher has thought about it. But I just don't know how realistic it is. Like, honestly, the guy I wonder, if they decide to go a center route, I wonder if he could be a fit is Nick Bonino because he's kind of like, like a junior varsity to know he's older you know he doesn't have obviously the hype of the playoff run but he's also really good defensively and he'd slide right into that 3c spot so i wonder if they if they decide to address center in free agency i wonder if he could be a fit because he would be a lot less expensive and he's still pretty good um 
but I, Steph, I would agree. I think Deneau is like my number one. Like, man, that would be awesome. Free agent signing, yeah, how cool like beyond be? Dougie, obviously Dougie, and like Landis Cog. Those those guys would be great. Um, one guy who I who I actually really would like, I think, as a um, just like a cheap signing, like not one that like one that's probably would be like a variable contract. So it's like whatever, just bring him in. I'd like it if they if they targeted Matt Calvert because mm. he's like he just strikes me as a like a pitlick kind of guy, and I think. You know, I think they kind of missed that. They, not, there were some people in my comment section who were like, the reason why the Flyers stunk this year is because they let Tyler Pitlick. I was like, no, that's not the reason. But, like, I think they oh, missed him, funny. especially because Nick Albe Cubell was so disappointing this year. And I think Calvert is, you know, he's the kind of guy where he's, number one, he's good. Like, he's a good fourth liner. Number two, he's, like, got that old-school, gritty, you know, sticks up for teammates, is an agitator type of thing that I think the team could use. What are you laughing at, Kelly? I was totally off topic. <laughs> Sam Carcini tweeted TV and nothing else. And for some reason, I find it hilarious. Was it literally just the letters TV? Just TV. <laughs> Thanks, Sam. Sorry. Oh, that's beautiful. That's I why that. I shouldn't look at Twitter during the show. <laughs> TV. TV. You know, that's Sammy dishing out the hot takes right there. Let's uh, take, take a, a break. break. Oh, crap, break. Yeah. I forgot that this thing we do. Let's take a break. Okay, we're back. So we're talking about TV, right, guys? TV. <laughs> yeah. TV, good old TV. How oh. about that TV? You watch it, it's neat. Oh, Sam. W- one point I was going to make before the, the break, and, like, these guys aren't, like, you know, flashy options. But I do think the Flyers absolutely need to get an upgrade for Brian Elliott. I, I, they need a better backup goalie, especially with the season that Carter Hart just had. So, like, these names aren't flashy. Like, you know, Drager, uh, Bernier, Linus Olmark, James Reimer, Yaroslav Alok. Like, they're not, like, flashy guys. But I just I don't think the Flyers can afford to bargain hunt with the backup goalie. Like they, I kind of like the Olmark. They need to find – Olmark is, is interesting. He There's, there's some injury Olmark's concerns there. But – you know, he had a what a nine seventeen save percentage for that Buffalo Sabres team. That's pretty good. Exactly. That Buffalo exactly. Sabres team. I feel like Reimer wouldn't leave Toronto if they decided to keep him. Well, he's with he's with uh Car- he no he's with Carolina. He's oh. with Carolina's past year. Ignore. He bounces him. around. And Carolina's the old roulette yeah. of goaltending. Like who knows? <laughs> they need. They need. That's the the thing they need to solve. I like Bernier as an option. Olmark, I'd be fine with. Um, I think Olmark has more upside you know you could actually get a really good goal in him same thing with uh, with Dreiger. um but bernie to me is just a safe one like he safe. put up like nine ten save percentages in detroit for the last few years like he's not going to be bad and you're going to throw him out there and he's going to be useful and you don't have to worry about him i don't think you don't have to worry about him popping like an 890 save percentage out there and you know, to me, you're paying a little bit more for that certainty, but I would feel comfortable with with Bernier. So I think out of all of them, he's probably my top. But like any of the ones I noted, I'd be okay with. Oh yeah, I'd be okay yeah, with any I of mean, those guys. Bernier has been the safe choice for the past like ten years. Like yeah, that'd be fine. Bring in Jonathan Bernier. Let's let's do the damn thing. Um, I mentioned on the Philly Sports Table podcast last week that, yes, like we need somebody more reliable than Brian Elliott, and there's no one in the system right now. If we knew for a fact, without a shadow of a doubt, 
that last year's Carter Hart is to never be seen again, maybe there's a possibility that I would be 50-50 on letting Alex Lyon back up for 15, 20 games a I season. I think that's fair. But we, but we can't know that. But sure. yeah. we can't know that. We can't know that. So we need a really strong backup that you can, you know, depend on maybe for half the season if you have to. Agreed. Unfortunately, and that's, that's where not we are. that's not yeah. Alex Lyon, yeah. or, or mm-hmm. even just a couple weeks. Like you know, the one thing, the one thing that we saw, and granted, it's not going to be this the exact same because the schedule isn't going to be as batshit insane as it was this past season. Hopefully, um, but the one thing we saw with Hart in March was that like Hart very clearly was a wreck and needed a reset. And the problem was was that they couldn't give him a reset because Brian Elliott was physically incapable of carrying the load. So what I mean I, I'm I'm certainly not saying that like Carter Hart is going to like have, you know, his whole like psyche fall apart like it did last year. I think these were very special circumstances. But if Carter Hart's struggling, I want to have a goalie that like I can be confident throwing him in there for four or five straight games to let Carter figure out whatever technical problems he's dealing with and not have to worry that by game three, that guy's either going to be hurt or going to be giving up seven goals a night. And they just, you can't think of that. You can't think of that as Brian Elliott anymore. He's not that guy anymore. So get a guy who can be that guy. Agreed. Because like it, it has to. The moose just isn't that guy anymore. It's, well, it's, he's just, it's he's facts just older. Or facts. He's just older. Yeah, yeah, facts are facts. He's just not like, there Like, it, it happens. It happens to all of us. But, like, I almost wonder in a way, and this is just me, like, theorizing, but, you know, that's got to play into somebody like Carter Hart. You know, Carter Hart's not an idiot. He knows that his backup goalie is 35 going on 36 and can't play all the games. So you have in the back of your head that I can't sit. I can't take a rest. I can't sit mm. down because— my team needs me. My backup goalie needs me. I need to figure this out on the fly. And that just adds even more pressure. So, like, give him a guy behind him that he knows if he needs to get his head right for seven to ten days, he can. And it's not the end of the world. Yeah, and it's We're funny. not asking for much here. <laughs> well, it, it's funny because— We're cause... asking you to take care of Carter Hart. Like, just do it. Well, it's funny because going into last season, I thought that that's why it was a good move having Brian Elliott back was a guy who wasn't going to challenge Hart, a guy that Carter Hart could feel comfortable that he would be the dude all season. And it ended up backfiring, obviously. Yeah, I mean, a lot of a lot Listen, of things to flush. We all backfired. make mistakes. Yeah, that was a big one that backfired, and it was one that had the potential to, but I just don't think anybody expected Hart was going to have this no. thing. It was like maybe Hart will regress a little bit. We didn't expect him to be the worst starting goalie in the NHL. I worried mostly he about like best. if he got hurt or yeah. something, and we were stuck with Brian Elliott for like three weeks. That would probably be bad. Did not expect what we got. No, that was a real shit stew we got. I mean, it was a whole last year. It wasn't great. Um, he did his best. I do also think, I do best. think though, and I, I sort of hinted at this with, with Calvert and Kelly with Gujar, like I do think it's important. Um, it's going to be important for the Flyers and for Fletcher to not ignore the bottom of the lineup. And I'm not saying, like the, the, my issue with Gujar as, as a signing is that like I think he's going to be expensive and I'd rather... I remember this way. I want the Flyers to go out and find their version of Corey Perry, the guy who like you get for cheap, you know, for reasons. You know, with Corey Perry was that he was old. You know, he was obviously past his prime. But like 
He was a useful player for Montreal. He was a perfectly useful player for them, and they paid him almost nothing on the cap. Like, Chuck's got to go out and get one of those guys. Get one of those types of guys who's getting paid a million dollars on a one-year deal who's actually useful because, like, I can't see Andy Andrioff again. And no, and I can't no trust, as much as I like the player, I don't know what Nicholas Albe-Cubell is. Like, I thought he was really good, and then he was one of the biggest disappointments of last season. And if I knew I was going to get 2019-2020 Albe-Cubell, I wouldn't be as adamant about this. But I don't know that. I don't know if he's just not going to figure it out again. And if he's not, like... Get me a an Andrew Cogliano. Get me a Matt Calvert. Like, get me a Derek Ryan. Like, get me guys who are going to be cheap, not going to cost that much. I mean, hell, I'm fine if you want to go back down the Bobby Ryan route. Like, whatever. Like, if he wants to come cheap to come home, like, fine. Like, get me a guy who's cheap, who's useful, who you can stick on the fourth line, and who can play a role and provide value. Because for all too long last season, they didn't have that. Because guys like Albay Cubell weren't providing value, and then guys like Andy Andrew for quad A guys. That's a very good point, Charles. Bring him home, Chuck. I was shocked to hear you say Bobby Ryan, but it would not upset me. Yeah, I mean, like and, we're not and, saying it's full name. Yeah, Bobby. it's Cherry Hill's Bobby Ryan. And, and, and the thing is, is like Cherry, Cherry Hill, Hill native. native Bobby Ryan. The thing is, is that like. I'm not talking about signing a guy like that to a big deal. Like, sign to a buryable contract. And if it doesn't work, you can bury him in the minors and it doesn't matter. But, like, you got to get some more of those guys because they did lose Michael Roffel, and I don't think they're bringing Michael Roffel back. So, in, the, in, in, in some level— Oh, God, why'd you have to remind me of that? I completely <laughs> forgot. Oh, no, I completely <laughs> forgot that Michael Roffel is no longer a Flyers. He's gone. He's on a farm where he has room to run around. <laughs> but and and the Flyers, they have guys. You know, they have guys like Tanner Zizinski. They have guys who are closing in on NHL readiness that can play in the bottom six. But I mean, if this season showed us anything, is that we can't operate under the assumption that these guys are going to come up and be really good or that young guys are even going to have normal trajectories like I think Tanner Lozinski's ready and I think if he plays next year he'll be a good bottom sixer for the Flyers but I'm not I don't want that to be like plan A and plan B and plan C like get me guys who are useful NHLers and if you have too many of them they can sit for a while it's fine yeah, I think rebuilding the bottom six is a, a really big deal this year, and that was some of their biggest failings last year. I mean, it really all comes down to young guys that we expected to take that leap after the previous season that just did not, and it, it sucks. It really sucks that that's the position that we're in, but, you know, we really need Chuck Fletcher to rebuild, I guess, all of it at this point, but I don't know. The Flyers are so weird. I have one more name. One more name that we haven't discussed who is not a bottom sixer. Oh. Someone else to bring home. Mr. Johnny Hockey, Johnny Goudreau. Oh, we're going back to the trades. Johnny Hockey. I mean. Seems to be on the outs in Calgary. I have never been opposed to that. I wouldn't hate it. That, just that one move, even if that was the only thing that Chuck Fletcher did, would make Flyers fans so fucking happy. People would enjoy. Now, he needs to do more, of course. But that one move, like, go get us Johnny. Oh, that would be a gratifying move for the fan base. A significant move that would actually appease some people. Yeah. I, I think really that like it's, that. and I think that it could work for both sides. 
I think it could. I put in my, uh, I did an article a few weeks ago, I believe, and it was like the perfect offseason. You know, what would be the perfect offseason with all the perfect moves? And the one point I made, and I think this is this is something that, you know, I'm not necessarily expecting the Flyers to do this. I'm not saying it's a, you know, they have to do this. But I do think the Flyers, and they've, they've lacked this for a while, really since Giroux started to slow down a bit and had to adjust the way he plays, they've lacked a real dynamic player, a guy who, you know, doesn't even have to be an elite player, but a dynamic player, a guy that defenses always have to be aware of at all times because it just adds another element to your attack. It definitely adds another element to your attack on the power play, but it adds another element to your attack at even strength as well because you just it's the guy you can't lose. And I think Goudreau can be that guy. Like that, that, that's the thing with, with a guy like Patrick Liney. Like I have my issues with Patrick Liney. I think Flyers fans would have their big issues with Patrick Liney if they actually got him. He's not a great two-way player. He floats sometimes. He's not great defensively, but he is that kind of guy that like defenses can't lose track of Patrick Liney because if they do, he's going to snipe one because he's got one of the best shots in the league. The Flyers don't have a guy like that. Like Jack Eichel obviously would be that guy because he's Jack Eichel, but Goudreau has been that guy in the past and he's not that old. And he's 27. Yeah. Like I think that's an element that this Flyers team lacks because they're just forced to grind it out because like, I I love Sean Gattura. He's an awesome player. I think he's one of the best all around players in hockey. He's not dynamic. He's never going to be dynamic. He's going to outthink you. He's going to outwork you, but like he doesn't scare you in the way that a Johnny Goudreau scares you. And I think that's an element. The Flyers, as I said, they've lacked since Drew stopped being that guy. What if we got Johnny Goudreau and Barclay Goudreau? Like, Kelly, I was Goudreau just Goudreau. about to say that. Goudreau and Goudreau. <laughs> Let's get it all confused. That would rule. I mean, I, 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 I think love... Jim Jackson would kill everyone, but <laughs> it would rule. Goudreau to Goudreau to, oh my God, I hate this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Goudreau times two. I'm all on board for that. And I'm also on board for all the misspellings we're going to get of both names. Like people are going to find ways to misspell both of their names differently. I don't know. We've all settled in on Elaine Vigneault. I think we can figure out Johnny. Goudreau. Alan? Alan. Yeah. Alan. He's still Alan. 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 Good point. Big Al. He is still Alan until he proves So otherwise. this is like the Dale Weiss thing? Yes. Alan needs to reprove that he's a good coach before he becomes Elaine again? Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Mm. That is correct. Dervis! <laughs> the Dutch Gretzky! Uh, I just My favorite player of all time, let me tell you. Alan. Fucking Alan, am I right? Big Al! Do your job, Big Al, please, for the love of God. All right, gang, that's all we got for you. Thanks so much for listening. Be sure to rate and subscribe and all that fun stuff. Follow us on social media, Twitter, Facebook, MySpace. No, that's not a thing. TikTok, that's a thing. Hooray. It is, and we have a TikTok. We do be having TikToks, thanks to Stuff Driver. I don't have TikTok, but we have a TikTok, so there we go. I have no idea. I'm old. Old man. I'm also old, but I'm obsessed with TikTok. So, um, (laughs) do it. Do it. Do it. All right, gang. That's all we got for you. Thanks so much for listening. Good night and good hockey. Are you ready to talk?